and welcome to episode 31 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about movies, TV, and more. Let's get into the news. This week we got a little interesting superhero news. Uh, the Rock has been announced to voice Crypto the Superdog for DC's animated movie, DC Super Pets. You know what I say to myself often? I go, who is like a completely underutilized an underappreciated actor it's Dwayne the rock johnson for sure just like he doesn't come out with enough movies he's not getting enough work he's not really they're not they're not showing him enough love you yeah, know if anything we need more Dwayne johnson is what you're saying. i would love a show about like his life as a child Okay, okay, like him growing up, kind of a uh, origin yeah, like, story, if you will. Yeah, like like who was the Rock before he was the Rock? You know, when when he was just called Dwayne. Man, that's D-bone. You know, um, you might just have to watch the young the young Rock. <laughs> oh <laughs> which, shoot! Yeah, dude, or watch uh, Jungle Cruise, which comes out this year. The or, Disney um, original theme park attraction. The movie. Yeah, or uh, awesome. Black Adam also comes out this year. He just doesn't get enough. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. He's under yeah. undersold in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Some more superhero stuff. We have news that Aaron Taylor Johnson has been cast to play Craven the Hunter for Sony's Craven the Hunter movie. Now, I was just talking last week about a review of Tenet, how I enjoyed Aaron Taylor Johnson being back. So I'm kind of hyped for this. I think yeah, uh, that should be cool. Yeah, I think Craven's simple enough that you can easily do a movie. He hunts things. Get a villain who, I don't know, maybe like hates animals or something. You know, go eco-friendly with it or something. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty easily done. He really lends himself. I think his outfit could easily be modernized with that cheetah print and the fur right. collar. I think that'd be pretty sweet. Um, yeah, and Aaron Taylor Johnson can rock a beard. Just saw it in Tenet, so yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, not so much superhero news, but... Uh, X, X superhero news. Yeah, 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 X superhero, superhero adjacent news. We have Henry Cavill is going to play uh, the unknown protagonist of the new Highlander movie. I say unknown because we don't know if it's an actual reboot of the original story. Right, right, We just yeah. know it's Highlander. Which, I mean, if you don't know Highlander, it's Immortal Swordsman, there can be only one, you gotta kill the other, Immortal Swordsman, yada yada, Sean Connery. And, Sean Connery. Yeah, and this movie will be directed by Chad Stahelski, the John Wick director. I think we talked uh, about uh, him before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some other project he had going on? Some other action John Wick adjacent. I thought it was like a Japanese thing he was doing. But it's maybe something. I'm just it's definitely that something. Up. Yeah. Definitely something, for sure. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out sometime. All right. I'm not sure if you're a fan of Luther. Oh, wait. I know you're not a fan of Luther, John, but the... Not that I am not a fan of Luther. It's that the one time I gave it a chance, it sucked. And so I didn't ever give it another chance. But that doesn't mean it sucks. I just gave up trying. Well, the long, gestated movie is set to film this year and come out next year. This is yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Ghost of Tsushima was Chad, whatever the oh, fuck. Oh, he's attached to the movie of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And well, got Japanese a, thing. Yeah, got a busy schedule, I guess, because I would assume a Henry Cavill movie, or when you cast Henry Cavill, 
your movie's in production. So I guess he's got to do Highlander first and then move on to Ghost of Tsushima. Actually. He just likes the sword fighting, you know? He, he can't help himself. Okay, back to the Luther movie. Uh, this is mm -hmm. a few years after the show ended. I think it had four or five seasons. And the movie was supposed to come out years ago along with an American reboot that also starred Idris Elba as Luther. But I don't think that American reboot's ever going to happen, so we're finally getting the movie. That's this to... Luther movie will have Idris Elba? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, it is a continuation of the TV show, I believe. It, it could be a one-off thing, you know, anime style, but I really doubt it. I think it's going to be a sequel. All right. Cool. Uh, you know, I know how much you love Phantom of the Opera. You talk about it every I'm episode. Big, big Phantom guy. Almost as big as Queeby. Almost <laughs> as big as Queeby. Uh, yeah. Well, good news is we're getting a reboot because everything needs a reboot these days. This reboot will have fresh new songs. That's what the producer said. Um, I don't have any affinity towards this property, so I can't even talk about... It means about... literally nothing to me. I haven't even seen it like in you know, a theater, you know? Yeah, I, I just know the, the pop references, all of those things, you know? Just it being out in the world, pop right. culture, all that. Gerard Butler, I think, was in the movie. In the real, in the real life cinematic universe, you know it. Yes, yes, but... I got you. I got you. <laughs> It's a story inside the IRL universe, you yep. know? Yep, Right. right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, this week we reviewed a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, uh, The Favorite. True. Yeah, I, I, I think that's how you say his name. I hope that's how you say his name. But yeah, uh, he has casted Mark Ruffalo and Emma Stone for his next movie, Poor Things. It is described as his own riff on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I'm kind of into it. I enjoy his yeah, he's, first two big Yeah, he's weird ones. and cool. Yeah. He's definitely got a style about him. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this movie, but I'll leave it there. It's got a style. I mean, have you seen The Lobster? His other? Uh, no, we've, we've talked about it. It's on my list, but I haven't watched it. Okay. Well, yeah, I like that style, and I think a pseudo-Frankenstein story would actually be kind of neat. I mean... I don't know. I'll, I'll probably watch anything that this guy does, honestly, just because it's it's definitely unique enough to at least watch it, you know, at least to uh, give it a chance, even if I might not love it. All right. All right you know what relates to that? Uh, Sandy Cheeks movie. Yes, the popular SpongeBob character, Sandy Cheeks, the squirrel who lives underwater for some reason. Um, is... Scientist from Texas, dude. Come on. She is getting a live-action animated hybrid movie. I don't know why we needed this. I didn't know she was popular enough to get her own thing. I didn't know SpongeBob was popular enough to get all the four or five spinoffs it's gotten in the last year or two. So And the live-action movies. I didn't think those grossed very well, but I guess I'm totally wrong. I mean, I guess they make enough, right? Right, right. I hope David Hasselhoff's in this one. That's a nice cameo. I'll come back as Baywatch fucking Surfer Boy. See, I, I, or, uh, I've only seen the, I don't see the two most recent live action ones. I've only so. seen the very first one. Right. So how do we even know he's not in those? I he mean, could be. That could be an old joke. So he might not be in the new one. You don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. Right. Okay. You might expect David Hasselhoff, and when you don't get David Hasselhoff, you think she'll be, you think she'll be going back to Texas to like find her family? I would hope so. I would definitely hope it's in Texas, but I'm going to guess it's not. And it's something I completely so great about. 
dumb old Texas anyway. <laughs> so big and dumb. Yeah, no, you can keep quoting SpongeBob for me. We can make this a yeah. SpongeBob podcast. That'd be great. Dude, I want, yeah, there's got to be, right? There's already one. There has to be. Like, they we go can, back and watch the first. Off. A spinoff? Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's definitely yeah. We'll do two podcasts. One is this, and one is a Spongebob century. Spongebob. Uh, I mean, yeah, they. someone's definitely doing that right now as we speak. I don't know who, but they're definitely out there. The truth is out there, you know? The truth is out there. Yeah, uh, speaking of the truth, this has nothing to do with it, because we're getting a biopic based on the life of Cher. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not a share fan. I know that one song that I can't even name you right now, but, uh, I, I don't just, know if I even know that one. I figured I would talk about it just because I'm kind of tired of the musical I'm biopic sure. stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she was in, uh, Oh, I just had it. And now I forget. It's like a movie. That's a musical a bunch of women Island in Greece. Uh, it just had a sequel like a couple years ago. I don't think she was a Mamma Mia. In the second one, she is. I'm oh, pretty really? sure. Yeah. Oh, see, I haven't seen the second one, so you could. Here totally we go again. Right. I think I'm pretty sure she is. Hold on, please hold. Uh, yeah, she is. Bet. Okay. Period. I that's the last time I've yeah. seen. That's the only time I've seen actually. I didn't know who Cher really was until I saw her face there, and I went, "Oh yeah, that's that singer Cher that people sometimes reference, and I don't know anything about." Cool exactly just like we're referencing right now uh i mean this is obviously because of that wave of musical biopics like rocket man and bohemian rhapsody and then what we're getting the sex pistols one the tv show one right the ramones i think yeah, the ramones also. we're getting the ramones uh I i'm sure we're getting more that we're not even thinking of but there's definitely more and i assume there will be more to come all right. Uh, you know, last week we were talking about Knives Out 2's cast, adding some familiar faces. Barely anyone I knew. Hardly a large cast at all. Probably low-budget indie film kind of thing. A lot of no-names. A lot of no-names. Yeah. They finally added some people of <laughs> notoriety. Nah, nah. Just a couple more no-names uh, with the names uh -huh. Kate Hudson and uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I don't know. Some TV actor who did, like, a musical. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Kate Hudson, yeah, Kate Hudson, she's a, she's in things, you know, she's in She's things. like someone's wife, right? Like, that's how she got famous, something like that? she's someone's daughter. Yeah, just, oh, a, okay. just yeah, a bunch of, bunch of no-names. Netflix Classic. just needs to be able to afford a blockbuster cast. I'd appreciate that, really. Yeah, honestly, like, if they were a billion-dollar company, maybe, but unfortunately, they're just, like, you know, a several-billion-dollar company, so I don't know that it's in the budget. <laughs> yeah, well, Knives Out 2's cast is getting ginormous I, I don't even know another word for it that's an all-star cast right there it's, it's it's one movie you know it's it's borderline oversaturated there's no way that each of these people have an interesting role oh yeah i mean yeah these people are going to be in here for five minutes or so i mean knives out one it's like it's gonna be like cast the... wasn't there a ton uh, i feel like each one had a unique character though oh i mean sure i just feel like it probably was this is gonna be this could be more like friends reboot or Friends Reunion, mm. and not Knives Out 1. See, uh, speaking of that, I've heard it's really bad, the Friends Reunion. Not to get off topic, but I've heard it's really bad and exactly what we expected. And I feel like this will go that way, too. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Pro- I mean, hopefully not, since we're gonna get three of them. So, I would, I would really hope the second one wasn't bad. All Same. right. Uh, yeah. Speaking of HBO Max with that Friends reunion, look at that transition. Transition. Uh, HBO Max's newest movie or newest original movie, No Sudden Move. It's that uh, Steven Soderbergh movie we talked about uh, a couple months ago. It's fifties Detroit heist movie. Yep. 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 Yes, it is going to star Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro, but the piece of news here is that it's coming out June 28th. I don't... Wait, so streaming? Yeah, HBO Max. Cool. I don't know how Steven Soderbergh does this. He must just have the formula. He must know how to make a movie in a timeline, you know? For sure. He had that, he had that locked up movie, came out in October, right? That, yeah. uh or not even in October, I think it was later than that. But it's crazy that he would have more than one or two separate movies in post-production. I don't right. know. That's just insane to me. Yeah. Whereas Christopher Nolan, you have to wait two or three years to get one movie. Soderbergh, you gotta wait six months and you'll get a new one. Yeah. He'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, he's just in and out. Okay, uh, this piece new, a little more rumor-based. But it's a rumor around the new Indiana Jones movie. The plot is unknown at the time, but apparently it's going to bring back Nazis, and it's going to add the space race into the mix. And it's going to tie in aliens. I hope so. I really hope they have a nod Nazis, to crystal aliens. Yeah, Nazis uh, found the crystal skull, as you know, uh, and as a result helped win the space race because they had alien technology. Mm, Easy. Okay. Well, maybe the Nazis found the Russian stuff that the Russians left behind with the Crystal Skull. Boom, bada, bing. Get Shia LaBeouf back in here. Shia LaBeouf, dude. <laughs> Boom, Indiana Jones 5. Uh, yeah, I, I just find that interesting because... Actually, I don't really find that interesting. That's that's why I put it on here. This movie's going to have to be something special. I mean, very special for, I think, anyone to care about. Right, tell to the damage that has been done to yes. the franchise. Yes, because yeah, anyone sure. new to the franchise probably doesn't care about old man Harrison Ford. But then, Me. obviously, anybody you know experienced with the franchise probably doesn't care about it for you know anything post four because, I mean, it was for terrible. obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie's gonna have to be something special. I mean, I'm, I'm probably gonna go see it or whatever. Wait till it's on. HBO Max, Disney Plus. Exactly. Whoever whoever has it. I think it's Disney now. Lucasfilm. I think that adds up. Sure. Uh, I'm going to wait for that. Whatever. All right. Kind of interesting piece of news. I guess the pandemic's over, John. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 Pandemic's done, dude. I'm not sure if you got got it. 50% of the country's vaccinated and 50% rounds up to 100%. So mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, America. Well, uh, in more signs that we're returning returning to some sort of normal, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert is going to return with live crowds here soon. Um, Hasn't Bill Maher had live crowds? No, Are you saying like full attendance? Yeah, 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 like full crowds. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Well, and even then, I think they had like limited like crew crowds. It's just like, mm-hmm. hey, here's the crew; they're already here at work. Gotcha. Right. Some people who do behind the scenes stuff. People who are already here. writing the jokes being forced to laugh at their own jokes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they don't already have cue cards that say like you can laugh now. 
you know. Right, but I, I think with an audience, they're at least like a little more prepped to laugh at jokes rather than, oh, I wrote this one. <laughs> like, yeah, this one's funny because I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I assume uh, more live shows, SNL, or shows like Bill Maher, maybe even John Oliver, yada yada. Uh, I assume they're going to be returning to live I'm crowds. Back to live. Here, yeah. here soon. Uh, we can stop seeing uh, John Oliver in that white void. I can quit hearing that joke. Kind of over it. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's been a, it's been a while. He still makes the joke. Whatever. All right. Next piece of news. A little more casting news. Timothy Chalamet has been cast as young Willy Wonka in the new Wonka movie. This new movie is going to be directed by Paul King, the director of the Paddington movies. And news uh-huh. has it, yeah, news has it that Timothy Chalamet beat out both Ezra Miller and Donald Glover for this role. Not really interesting, cool, man. but uh, I, I think it's cool to see the kind of uh, the list of possibilities. I wish more casting news would include that. That'd be right, right. Like who else wanted the role, and then was like, right. mm, "Sorry, we're going a different direction." Yeah, exactly. Or or who even auditioned for the role, and they just said, "Nah, your audition sucked." I I would just enjoy. I can't. Ima- I can't imagine that people have bad auditions and are like critically acclaimed actors. No, I mean. It might be a bad audition, obviously. I don't think that's why they would get turned down. I don't know. I think you can have a bad audition. I don't think, like, if Robert De Niro wanted a role... Okay. If you're taking any... Robert De Niro of all the actors you could have picked there. Donald Glover. I don't think anyone would turn down Donald Glover. I think Donald Glover would get, like, you know, sorry, we just don't really need, like, a black lead in this movie. It doesn't make sense or something like that. Like, it would maybe not be racial exactly, but it would be, like, you know, your style of comedy doesn't fit the style of comedy that we're doing in this movie. Or, you know, this is a really serious drama, and although you have some serious drama experience, we want someone a little bit more experienced than you, or whatever it is. Like, I, it doesn't strike me as he gave a poor performance in any capacity. And I think there's, if you have good film work, your history probably matters more than an audition. Like, I can't you're, even imagine that. Okay, well, if, you're definitely right, I would assume. You know, I'm, I'm not a caster or anything. I don't you know, right. know the actual minds of a casting agent or whatever. But I would assume you're right. At the same time, though, I think, uh, what was it? Anthony Mackie, you know, the guy who plays Falcon mm-hmm. slash Captain America yeah, yeah. now. He said he auditioned for Star Wars Episode Seven. He's not a very good actor, though. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't hate on Anthony Mackie. He's not bad. He's just not very good. I think that I think that I think that warrants auditions. I don't think he has a body of work that's profound or like, ooh, you know, you really wore a fucking armor suit pretty well and you looked buff. So fuck it, man. You're a great actor. I don't know. Wouldn't you think the Disney movies? Wouldn't that be enough to have under your belt for a Star Wars movie? I don't think so. I okay. I, okay. Well, whatever he said. His I, I don't think Star Wars has had poor. Actors. I don't ever think acting has ever been a problem in a Star Wars movie. I think it's usually some weird, erroneous plot cringe shit that they throw in there, or <laughs> you know, some weird like costume choices or like character plots or something. You know, it's always it's always something in like the meta. It's not ever, at least that I've like. There might be okay actors, you know what I mean? But like, even just like as a random fucking Tie Fighter pilot, they had that dude from Heroes, the fat police officer guy. Oh well, that guy's like J.J. Abrams' best friend. I think, regard. I'm just saying he's like a good actor. He just had a little side character role. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
they do shit like that all the time. I'm like, eh. I could see Anthony Mackie like just trying to be a side character, and they're like, why? Like, no. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, yeah, Timothy Chalamet's gonna play Wonka in Wonka. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a musical comedy, so I guess sticking true to the movie. Z movies yeah. plural. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that. I hope it's not sticking true to both movies. We uh, get Johnny Depp to play all the f- future versions, and we get Timothy Chalamet to play the old versions. I mean, Chalamet definitely looks more young Johnny Depp than he does young Gene Wilder, but whatever. He doesn't I... have to look like Gene Wilder at all. It's based on a book, not a fucking movie. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, they, they're going for that movie hype. I mean, if they cared about the books, they would have made a movie to the actual sequel. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Glass Elevator? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that book kind of... You know what? I'm not going to talk about that book. That book yeah. was just really weird compared to the first book. True, true. All right. I liked uh, it, though. It was a nice weird. But it, was definitely, it. it was definitely zany enough for me to enjoy it. Yes. Uh, you know how... I think we talked about the new Hellraiser reboot pretty recently, maybe three or four weeks ago. Yeah, so a month probably. Pretty recent, yeah. Uh, Hulu has bought the rights to it, so it is now a Hulu original. Um, it's not coming to theaters at all. It's just straight to Hulu. I assume that's going to come out near Halloween because that's would be the smart decision, but... You know, it's a streaming service. They, they'll they probably put it out in January and just assume that nobody wants to watch the Hellraiser reboot. But, um, yeah, we should be seeing that this year, hopefully. Pretty sure it's already filmed. It's already post-production, but they bought the rights to distribute it. So not going to be able to see that in theaters. I'm fine and, with that. Yeah, and speaking of horror movies that got new reboots that are being purchased by streaming apps... <laughs> Yeah, very specific, huh? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty broad range of movies. You could be talking about any one of these. Yeah, and... yeah. Uh, well, Evil Dead Rise, the new soft reboot for the Evil Dead series, has been purchased by HBO Max. It will now be distributed by HBO Max. You will not be able to catch it in theaters. Yada, yada. You get the gist. Uh, you'll see the whole HBO Max original thing at the beginning of the movie. And Evil Dead Rise. I'm not sure what cool. this movie's about. Don't really care. Uh, I think I need to give the original movie a shot. Like, and just uh, another, just sit down, because I haven't watched them forever. So I just need to sit down. Maybe I've aged. Maybe I can appreciate it. But I just oh, don't yeah. care about the series. You were just too young to really get the maybe, nuances. May, like, no. maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I, I, I need to watch the first one. I, I need to sit down, fresh take, get all the uh, prejudice out of my head. Because I really like the reboot, which is weird to say, when you like a reboot and not the original. Um, I can't say same. Okay, well, I want to give this That's because I didn't like either. Whatever. I want to give the series a chance. I want to watch Evil Dead Rise. Um, Ash vs. the Evil Dead was okay. I didn't finish it. But it, it was watchable. All right, and the last piece of news. Uh, last week we talked about Amazon purchasing MGM for around $9 billion. Well, it has been confirmed that Amazon is purchasing MGM for it's like $8.45 billion. My God. Yep. Uh, they will now own the James Bond franchise, or at least 
production rights to the James Bond franchise because I think the Bond franchise this is going to increase the cost family. of my subscription to Amazon Prime yeah I would assume not I would assume that's their whole selling point is that oh videos getting stuff but you don't have to pay more um, but it I might so. be I mean nine billion dollars is a lot of money so what if they separate it what if they're like Amazon video is no longer included in Amazon Prime now that's possible I definitely see that happening someday. Uh, or maybe like just a separate purchase option if they don't already do that. Do they not? Right, right. That? Like bundle. No, no, no. It's like you just pay Amazon Prime. Really? Period. Yeah. And then you just you get discounted by the month, I believe. Huh. You know, so like the one year membership is better than the one right, month. Right, right. But, you but know, it, it mean, includes that... Am- Amazon, whatever it's called, music slash audio, whatever yeah. has like all their, you know, podcasts, et cetera, whatever that's called. Now that we're talking about it, I really think they should have a separate service, like a cheap service, you know, four or five bucks a month. Right, just like for if the I video, just yeah. want, if I just want a streaming service, I should just be able to pay for the streaming service and not two day shipping. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get totally my two day shipping has a pretty, you know, hefty price. But yep. Yeah, uh, okay, we'll uh, we'll see how that affects Amazon Prime in the coming years. But uh, please that's... don't, please don't affect it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, I that... want it to stay down. Last piece of news, if you want to get to the album releases for the week. So, uh, yeah, there's three. We'll go from uh, least impactful to, uh, I mean, there's more than three, obviously, but we'll go from That's least impactful three to most, whole albums? most impactful. Uh, so we've got, I don't know if you know, the uh, metal band of, or maybe not metal, but the rock, uh, of Mice and Men. Familiar? Uh, mm, they make really. music. It's very average, but some like I, I, I know some people who like, I don't know if you know any more of these people, but um, they still exist out there that like primarily listen to rock music, even like contemporary. No, I yeah, don't know uh, they're few and far between. They are few and far between. But uh, of mice and men, I guess is like one that in those circles uh, remains pretty popular. So they got I got, a, I got a roommate who listens to Clutch. <laughs> That's about it. Like... Yikes. Uh, the other one is, and I never heard of him. So forgive me for. Uh, all Australian rappers out there who I don't know. His name is All Day, uh, one word. So I don't know if it's like All Day, like he grinds all day, or it's like All Day and like it's uh, like a surname or something that he's morphed. But he's an Australian rapper who uh, apparently has been making music online. He got like kind of popular in the same vein as like when like YouTube was first blowing up and people like Justin Bieber and other singer songwriters like could just post their music for free online. And it was easy to get noticed because it was like the brand new thing. He was a rapper that got popular in Australia at the same time. Uh, and so he's got a new project, the big one. Are you ready? Yes. Hold your butt. So post, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? After death, posthumous, post posthumous, posthumous. I always fuck it up. I'm like posthumoral. No, that's not right. Yeah, posthumous uh, album releases. Right, we love them. They're so good. I uh, actually hate them. I know you're being ironic yeah, about I, it. No, but same, I hate them. same. I hate them. Uh, well, Mac Miller's was okay, but it's because Mac Miller can do no wrong. I hate in my what heart, they stand so. for. Yeah, because they're literally just money grabs in the yes. worst possible way. Literally, like, I mean, like literally, there's no other way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, it's what the artist would have wanted. That's why we, his friends and family, who were feeding off of his money, uh, need more money. Um, DMX, first posthumous album, huh. called Exodus. Uh, uh well, he R- never released. R.P. DMX. 
he never released the last album he talked about and hold on i mean it's the same with mac miller this is probably the same thing well i'm probably just a bunch of unreleased music that was planned that i'm I'm trying to think of uh when that album was supposed to come out i think it was self-titled it was just gonna be called dmx and i think it was 2015 2016 so yeah that never happened he had one or two singles from it and they were okay they're good like rap dmx song Speaking of Posthumous and Mac Miller, um, I believe we talked about this a long time ago. I want to say like first five episodes or so, so well over half a year ago. Um, Ancient. Yeah, ancient history, honestly. Uh, That Mac Miller's Faces album is getting cleared to be put on streaming platforms. Wow, that took long enough. Yeah, well... It's it's because that one has obviously a bunch of like really famous samples that were like almost impossible to clear, um, but it is in the works according to several not only close family members but like close producers and collaborators that worked on the project specifically. Um, there was a big post about it on Reddit, so it is confirmed. Confirmed. I think we talked about it being rumored, but there were no confirmations, and it's not like you know whatever Warner Music Group has signed off on it officially, but people in his close circle are telling you that he's it's being worked on it means it's being worked on like there's no way to misconstrue that so that'll be pretty cool because then my mac miller play count is going to go through the roof because that is my most listened to (laughs) mac project i listen to it literally every day i was gonna say i can uh, release into one of my favorite mixtapes and get really depressed it's gonna be great it's gonna be good yeah it's awesome it's awesome uh i'm fine by the way mentally it's fine (laughs) Uh, all right, you want to move on to the next segment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, highlights of the week. You, well, I'll start. You know what? I'm just gonna take the charge. Go for I, it. Man. I I did a lot. I'm gonna cut a couple things. Uh, nothing special, but I watched Zack Snyder's new Army of the Dead, Netflix awesome. original. This movie's a dumpster fire. I classic. I could not help myself. It looked bad, but you know, you know me. I gotta see it for myself. I gotta sit through it yeah. all. This movie has zombie horses, zombie tigers, nukes. It has plenty of things to make it good, and none of that helps. Those things make it good? Because that sounded like, it makes it interesting, but not good. Okay, well, I think if you had that freedom to have a zombie tiger in your movie, you should have had freedom to do a little more with your plot. Sure. be a little uh, more creative not yeah. reliant on the props I yeah gotcha. he he didn't he did none of that uh zach snyder you're i don't know man i just don't know washed, yeah. washed. <laughs> i just don't know it's not even worth it apparently netflix has gone all in on the movie though because we're getting a sequel and a prequel anime i, and... I think it's literally just because every title that comes out with literally like maybe there's a magic number we'll call it two people who are profitable as in every project they're in makes money if there are two of those people in a movie from now on for the rest of time probably because the way streaming works they will make it and force it down your throat to at least be a franchise if not like a universe like no shot that there's not at least you know a trilogy planned whether it goes through or not it's different but planned with spin-offs with side characters with fucking the whole shebang a tv show and a movie bundled like that's all pre-planned 
Yeah. So, uh, well, this movie, that doesn't me at all. this movie sets up for a sequel, and I'm not interested, but I'm probably going to watch it just because it's, I would assume it's going to be worse somehow. So, uh, I'm kind of hyped for it. Uh, it, you know, there's, there's so much to complain about that I don't even really care to. It's like, <laughs> go watch it if you want a really bad movie. But if you want an, if you want a better Zack Snyder zombie movie, Dawn of the Dead was better. And it's not even, it's not anywhere close to Pinnacle of Cinema, but it's better than Army of the Dead, for sure. And, uh, yeah, as much as I love Dave Bautista, I'm not sure he can carry a movie, especially a Zack Snyder movie like that. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a lot to put on one man's shoulders, so I don't blame him for that. Yeah, bad. Bad movie. All right. Out of um, 10. Bad out of 10. Bad out of 10. Yeah, real bad out of 10 if you want to do that. Then I finished Better Call Saul, whatever. Not going to talk about it. Already talked about it. But then what I really want to talk about, I started and finished Invincible, which is Amazon Prime's new animated superhero show based on Invincible, created by Robert Kirkman and some other guy, yada, yada. Uh, this show's great. Yeah? Yeah. show's great. Um, maybe it's more the comic book's great because a lot of the reason that the show is great is because of the plot points. So... I don't know, it's that weird thing where I don't know how much credit to give the actual TV show. Right. But, I will say, it handles all those things pretty damn well. The animation's a little low frame, it's fine, still looks totally serviceable, totally serviceable. Um, My frame is bad, though. No, animation. It's different. Oh, oh, right, it's animation. Animation, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, No, high frame, good. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the voice cast is the most stacked voice cast I've ever seen in my life. I, I I really wish, now obviously I don't know how these things work, but I really wish the budget for voice cast and music went more into animation and design. Because there's entirely just too much, it's, it's, it's almost bloated with how many voice actors there are. I mean, uh, Steven Yun from Minari and Walking Dead. He's the main guy, and he's fantastic. I always hate when actors pretend to be voice actors. And right. you're just like, and they're oh. not very good. Yeah, and you're yeah. just like, dog, this is just you. Like, There's no difference. You're just acting in front of a microphone. You're not voice acting. But Steven Yun kills it. Absolutely kills it. Amazing. Uh, you can barely tell it's him half the time, I think. Great. But It's cool. The sad thing is they do the music thing. The thing I hate where Netflix puts a pop song in the episode and you're supposed to like it. So the episodes are split into two parts, but they're one 40-minute episode. So basically hour-long episodes. And I would say you get a song or a pop song or a song by a notable band once every five minutes. Maybe once every ten minutes. Uh, there are four Run the Jewels songs oh. in one season. There are four Run the Jewels songs. And then they even have Sunflower by Vampire Weekend. That's a good song, though. So. Oh, yeah. It's so amazing. And you know how we talked about how much we really enjoyed it and how it almost made that album, right? You know, oh. et cetera. Mm-hmm. You're over it? No, no, no. It plays under a conversation. It just, it just like they just play it, and he's completely just, just misused. Yes, yeah. this is what they do with all these pop songs. It's what every TV show or whatever they don't find an excuse to use it, like Guardians of the Galaxy did. They just do it. There's no reason for it other than to get viewers thinking they like it more than they actually do because they actually like the song. Uh, 
but they haven't met this guy right. <laughs> who actually hates it, even if he likes the song. And they need to cater to me because yeah. I'm important. Exactly, exactly. They'll you know they'll rue the day when they've uh, spurned the worst critics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll leave um, you a shitty review on your Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I watched the Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge animated movie. It's basically the live action movie, but without the new original character. So it's actually like a little better somehow. And the animation's actually really tight. Moving on to the music, uh, ZZ Gibson has a new single, obviously, because six singles. That that album is going to be like 20 songs long, bro. I hope not, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's an ZZ single. You like it or you don't. I don't really have to say much. Then um, Hi Jin Park, the Korean singer yeah, I yeah, talked yeah. about, she released mm-hmm. a single with Clams Casino. Um, it's very on brand for her. Uh, I'm not a Clams Casino. I'm not a huge. Uh, I, I'm not knowledgeable of Clams Casino, so I don't know if it sounds like. Never even heard of them. They do work. <laughs> uh, you, you, I, you just have to listen to it. It's hard to describe, but they they've done a ton of songs in the last couple years, especially. Uh, yeah, but Clams Casino produces a song for. For Hyjun Park, good song. What I really want to talk about musically, though, is Daichi Yamamoto's album and Bliss. That's and less, just one word. One word, yeah. Yeah, uh, just Japanese hip hop. I talked about Daichi last week. I listened to a single, so I went back, and this is his debut album. Pretty damn good for a debut album. Uh, kind of, it definitely takes liberties with how much it uh, kind of pays homage to early 2010s hip-hop i mean like that's not a problem though yeah it's i enjoy it but it's right. it feels like he just ripped some things even he even has a song that has like a bossa nova international hip-hop kind of sound yeah and it's, yeah and then he's speaking in japanese and it's 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 really cool uh he goes places it's a it's a good album uh very very versatile um yeah i, I would listen to dress one way and crystal if you're interested and that's they're on our playlist smile nice and that's all i did for the week i think all right well once again uh the adventures of being a student have prevented me from really watching anything that i wanted to watch um but i did as uh driving around endlessly moving to a new place has provided me an opportunity to listen to a bunch of music so um we'll start with probably my most anticipated um, album. I think I mentioned it for the album releases that were happening this week, but Olivia Rodrigo, the uh, kind of up-and-coming artist um, who I have since learned a great deal about because there's been a ton of publicity about this album, um, and so like my YouTube recommendations constantly have things about her, and like I want to say there was an NPR piece done about her project, so yeah, I mean, I, pretty... I, I think YouTube recommended me a video from her, so... Yeah, that, yep, from that the album. Campaign. Yeah. Well, so, so here's what I didn't know. I guess, I, I'm not sure what she's from. I didn't actually do my research. I just know that she's Disney adjacent um, oh. because people were comparing it to the likes of um, Selena Gomez, Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus. Uh, again, people in that ballpark who had like a actress to singer, well, singer to actress to singer pipeline. Uh, and... Yeah, so she's pretty young. I guess she's like 17 or 18. Or maybe she just turned 18, but she was like 16, 17 when 
obviously this was being started and her work with Disney was happening. Um, and I guess because they found her pretty young, but she had already put out some independent music. Um, and again, she doesn't have a father like Billy Ray Cyrus who could just like do everything for her in the background. So I guess she's like supposedly um, pretty well developed as an artist. So going into it, I would like, you know, I had expectations because she had pretty obviously good singles, but uh, it was really, really, really good. I thought really good. Uh, like cannot stress how really good it was. Uh, so like it doesn't suffer from being uh two singer songwritery i mean we made the project or made the comment about like room for squares uh good album right plenty of good songs that we recall but god forbid if you don't turn on a song and you go that's fucking john mayer playing his goddamn guitar and singing <laughs> you know <laughs> and this is not that she uh i believe is a pretty talented musician i don't know that she does all the instruments or anything on this but uh for a pop album obviously it's pretty I don't want to say overproduced, but heavy on random instruments and sounds that aren't necessarily carried throughout the entire song. Can't wait to talk about things being overproduced. Right. Yeah. That's the, and again, totally fine. A fair thing to happen as long as it sounds good. That's okay. Um, and in this scenario, she like she hits you know a few different genres. She has like one like pure pop punk song. It's almost like I don't know Avril Lavigne esque or like Paramore esque. Um, and really i mean there's maybe like one song that i thought was like not particularly listenable i wouldn't enjoy but like every song i would go back to and again this is one of those things where the person on our marketing team has really figured out singles uh and the singles are some of the best projects on this album um there are great songs that were not singles that make the album worth listening to but it's called sour pretty good um i will definitely continue to listen to her and be excited for more of her releases um and I, I also talked about this one that was coming out, the uh, 21 Pilots album, uh, Scaled and Icy. It honestly does not suffer from that they were out of the limelight and now they're coming back as, you know, older, more developed, distinguished men making the same kind of anarchist, weird, like, anti-pop music. It was kind of just more of the same, but in a good way. Uh, I was not disappointed. It definitely sounded like a 21 Pilots album. There was a little bit almost John Bellion-y, I Love My Wife, Slash logic. I love Chance my wife. Rapper. Talk. <laughs> yeah, Chance the Rapper. <laughs> yeah, and again, you can love your wife, but it's, it's totally weird fine. to mention it that many times. Please you know? do love your wife, but... <laughs> but yeah, but you don't have to tell me about it all the time. Um, and there was a couple instances where I was like, "It's the same song. Like, is this about his wife too?" And like, mm. it's a love song, and you're in love with your wife. I get it, but like, you can just make it she and not my wife. You know what I mean? Like. You could just be more vague so that I don't have to go, this is a song about this singer's wife and yeah. not a song that generally applies to me as well because yeah. you've made it no longer apply to me. You could even um, say he, you know, make it like make right? one of those, just, like change it up a yep. bit. Change it up, man. It can be fiction. It turns out you don't have to write only based on your reality. What? Yeah, what? you could explore alternatives. No. Uh, and Next just... you're going to tell me you can exaggerate. What? No, 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 no. Brag a little bit about yourself in a exaggeratory fashion, or a braggadocious, if you will. No, okay. that's impossible. Okay, thank God. Yeah, if rap did that, I would never listen to that again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, those are pretty much the only albums I listened to. But um, I recently discovered, and fuck me, I meant to look her name pronunciation up because I'm going to butcher it. Yes, let uh, me hear it. First name, first name Joy. Last name, I believe. Oladokun, but I'm not sure. Uh, 
she is really, really, really talented writer. Um, and again, she's singer songwriter. Can you spell that last name for me? Yeah. O L A D O K U N. Okay. Oladokun, I assume, but I meant to look it up. Um, so again, I went down a rabbit hole and listened to a bunch of her music. Um, I put my favorite single on the playlist, but she's definitely just an artist totally worth checking out. Um, she is like just really interesting as like the things she decides to talk about. Um, I don't feel like she talks about just like normal shit that like a singer songwriter. I mean, how much of life can you say isn't samey, but you know, like this is not Olivia Rodrigo. So two people in the same space with two completely different sounds and ideals and like areas of interest. And I think it's just cause she's older and a little bit more developed and has a lot more of, uh, I don't say life experience, but she has lived through what I'm sure is a more challenging upbringing. Um, she was like moved around a lot as a kid. She, I believe she's, uh lesbian and like a lot of her songs are about like facing stigmatization about like again gender and sexual preference and stuff so I, I, it's just really interesting um and again she's black and she during a lot of the black lives matter movement last year she had a song come out um again just talking about being black in america um and it was voted like top 100 songs of 2020 or something like that i, I I think maybe Rolling Stone, but it could have been NPR. I don't remember, but Those apparently she's had a, very, like, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I, I don't remember exactly if it was like, this is a political uh, top a hundred or if it was like a musical top one hundred yeah, and it could have been both. Enjoy, I just enjoy that. If you say, Oh, it's a Rolling Stone top 100. I don't give a fuck. But if it's NPR top 100, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, it, it probably was NPR because I believe it was like in that same, thing where i was reading about olivia rodrigo but regardless um she's super talented highly highly recommend checking her out and uh it's funny because when i started listening to her i immediately got like tracy chapman vibes and of course she happens to be black and tracy chapman also happens to be black and a female with an interesting voice that doesn't necessarily characteristically sound like what you would imagine a black singer songwriter sounds like um and hilariously, she cites, like, Tracy Chapman as the reason she picked up a guitar in the first place. And I'm like, all right, well, there it is. Like, there's the cornerstone. It's why, what's his name? Um, who was the dude we were listening to? I believe he's from Kenya, and he moved to, like, Minnesota to basically play music just like Bob Dylan. Yeah, J yeah, J.S. Andara. Uh, I'm like, there's a reason he sounds Dylan-ish, you know? Like, it's just your influences. Um, but, yeah, highly recommend her. Uh, and then finally... Just a random one, but I've been listening to a little bit more Spanish music, as I've mentioned. Uh, I listened to that Selena Gomez album. Uh, and so I told you that Spotify has these curated playlists, and apparently I saw someone shared it, so I like tried it out for myself. But you can make a playlist for your pet, and you enter, you take like a person, like a, almost like a BuzzFeed quiz for the, your pet's personality, and then it makes a playlist based on music that fits their personality and also your musical interests i don't know what kind yes. of weird fucking a psychologist algorithm hybrid came up with this bullshit one of the worst things i've heard in a while that's uh, but yeah. the place has a bunch of songs i like uh one of which is this spanish artist named uh anahu anahu i'm not sure uh never heard of her in my life but 
S-A-O-S-A is the song that uh, popped up on the playlist, and it's a banger. Um, this go. or this. Yeah, really good. But that's pretty much all I listen to besides, you know, Lemonade slash a favorite. All so. right, um, to the reviews. You want to talk I'm about, personally uh, thinking Lemonade first. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Unless you have more to say about Lemonade. Not really. Um, no, not really. I feel okay. like we're just getting to the pattern of album first. We keep picking movies that are, if not better, more interesting than the album. Than the albums. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. we got to pick a... Actually, and I think next week we've got the lineup for that, so... Yeah, actually, maybe. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll uh, do Lemonade first. Right. Uh, so I'll just start. Yeah. It's Please. real... So, I mean, obviously the pretense for most of this album was... Jay Z was a fuck boy for a little bit, right. and this is Beyonce's like, "Hey, bitch, I'm fucking Beyonce, and you can't treat me like that." And by the way, I'm gonna put you on blast in front of literally all of the world. Right. Uh, the Jay Z centric, I don't know, all the way up to like Love Drop. Um, I think maybe Sandcastles, Forward Freedom, All Night Formation, Sorry, each kind of have their own personal struggles within them, but aren't solely like "fuck you, Jay Z." Right. Or like, I'm a bad bitch, fuck you, Jay-Z. Like, <laughs> those first Jay-Z songs uh, really had my interest, and I was really hyped but just because I was like, oh, shit, she didn't just say that. <laughs> and then afterwards, you know, with the James Blake feature, I thought, like, a useless Kendrick feature. I was like, this album, I don't really get the... Hi-. Like, again, Women's Power, like, I'm all for it. Like, fuck men who cheat, fuck people who are dicks, like... Yeah. Why would you cheat on Beyonce? Like, it's goddamn Beyonce. I don't get it. But also, like, he's Jay-Z, and when you have that kind of money and power, like, you... I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, that being said, I was very much on the train for fuck Jay-Z, and I thought that's what this whole album was going to be, and then it kind of just, like, derailed halfway through, and I didn't really understand why. Um, and I was really, like, I, I genuinely on the read list and was, like, trying to figure out, like, where the segue was, and it just kind of happened for me really abruptly right after, like, yeah, Love Drop. A hundred percent. That is literally how I was going to kind of focus my review. Frame the narrative? Yeah, 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 exactly. Is that it's a it's a reverse bell curve. It, it started off pretty damn awesome. I was like, okay, am I actually a... Am I a part of the Beehive? I, I did not know. But then right. the middle of the album starts, and it's uh, middling. You know, I think that's the it's perfect word for a middle of the album. <laughs> totally fine, but it yeah. is not what the intro was. And then I would even say it picks back up near the last two songs, uh, or the last few songs, I think. You like Formation? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like see, the, yeah. I remember when that song came out, everybody was fucking on the I still have a bad taste in my mouth about that, because I, I'm like, ugh. I tried to separate the radio murder of some of these songs. Because gotcha. some of these songs, gotcha. I just I knew without ever having listening to them on my own accord. But um, yeah, but see, like I, I feel like songs like Irreplaceable or like I don't know, fucking Crazy in Love. Like there are Beyonce songs that will never not be awesome to me, and I feel like Formation never ever had that. It was either like it was okay or it was horribly overplayed, and I don't understand how people think it holds up like it does. I, I thought it was one of the highlights of the album. Um, I, I did think, I, I think this is just going to be a 
constant complaint I have with pop artists is just the overproduction of some of these songs. It, yeah. It's cool that you have access to hundreds of samples Literally, and hundreds of beats and hundreds of instruments. The wealthiest music couple in the world. Yeah. She has access not to whatever she wants. Anything in the world she could attain. Anything. Yeah, and so she decides to overlay 10 different instruments on one track so that you don't really know what's going on and you can't really keep up with the beat, but you're like, oh yeah, Beyonce sings, so this has to be good. Um, it it almost distracted me from what she was talking about in some of her songs. And I don't know, man. It's, it's weird that this happens constantly, and I guess people have just accepted it by now. But it just takes away my enjoyment when something just refuses to be simple, I guess. Maybe, or refuses to be, like, less complex, you know? They I, think the more you put onto it, the more you put onto the track, overlay whatever effects, yada yada, it's going to make it better. But it never turns out, especially when you have choruses that aren't that catchy. I mean... This album didn't really, I, I, there aren't a lot of songs that I can just imagine, you know, off the top. Um, Why was Jack White in this? I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't like that song. I, I didn't like any of the features, which is weird. It's, I, up to this point, I didn't know I couldn't like a Kendrick feature. Till that one? Yeah. Like, no, he had that one song, the one, Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's a song for that movie, and it was really bad, but whatever. It's That's beside the point. I'm just saying that there is a Kendrick feature out there. <laughs> I think it's him and Alicia Keys. Um, it was really bad. You don't have Dawn to... Again? Yeah, I mean, I assume. I, I don't know the title. I just remember hearing it when that movie was coming out. Um, that's funny. Yeah, the, the features just aren't my thing. Uh, the, I really hate that I dislike the James Blake feature because I really like James Blake. James, James Blake is crazy talented. Yes. What, what was that album that came out like 2018? You know, I couldn't name you his albums. I just see Retrograde. Retrograde's like the only album I can uh, picture easily. Hold on. Uh, yeah, he's great. I mean, even his features with other artists, like um, his feature on the Black oh, Panther. Uh, album. Assume form. Yes. 2019. Yes. Really good album. Crazy good album. But yeah, uh, his feature on the Black Panther album, I thought was really good. The Anderson mm -hmm. Pack song that he had. Mm -hmm. He, he yeah, did yeah. like a lot of the instruments for that one. And then he had, um, he had an Andre 3000 song, I think, on that album. So like... I think I think it's from his, the one I'm talking about, the Assume Form album. Okay. Okay. Well, Where's from, the catch? Yes, 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 yes. There's that album. And then, I mean, James Blake can work with other artists. Uh, he did a Chance the Rapper remix that he had Chance on, like Chance literally asked him onto it. Uh, so the man can feature really well. So it's just so disappointing when this song's kind of bad. Like, it was just James Blake, too. Uh, Beyonce wasn't singing. I mean, obviously, she probably had a hand in it. I mean, you know, obviously. Uh, but her just, name's on the damn thing. Yeah, I just did not care about that song whatsoever. Did you Did you end up watching any of the videos nope. that accompany these? Uh -uh. Yeah, I I feel like that's the piece that we're missing. Mm. But I was so disinterested that I 
was like, nah, I don't, I don't care. They, I, because I didn't realize cause this is like a, mysteries. yeah, this is like a, obviously it's concept heavy, but it's literally like formatted to be like, you know, whatever it's called, visual poetry or whatever. Like, I think you can just say it, visual album. Well, yeah, because every song has a video and they play linearly oh. and tell a story. Oh. So like, it's like a, a, huh. our movie could have been the album, if that makes sense. Huh. But Maybe I, should I was watch like. That. Okay, well, this, uh, you know, musical exclusive review. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Maybe that was the missing part, I guess. It, it just, it didn't, maybe that would, would help. But if I'm just reviewing the album itself, I didn't really love it. Uh, I especially, I'll just say my negative song. The one song that I hated was Daddy, Daddy Lessons. Daddy yeah. Lessons. What was that? Just in the middle of the album, just switches gears, makes a really fake and really bad, or bad's probably just a boring word, um, cringe-inducing, I guess would be the term. Kind of felt like early Taylor Swift country. Just the, I mean, I'm saying like just that like epitome of not amazing and, you know, overproduced to hell while still yeah. calling itself country. Yeah, and, and then it's in the middle of this album, and it doesn't fit whatsoever. It almost, it takes me out of the album. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that she chose to go that route to have a country song, but I was, uh, yeah, less than, less than pleased. Very out of place. Even even if she nailed it, it might be out of place, but I don't think she nailed the country vibe at all. Um, yeah. Right, she made it sound country without me caring that it was country. Right. It didn't add any layers to the song just because it, had an acoustic guitar right but not, not even that but it had that like uh even like a maybe it was a banjo but like electric guitar twang like it wasn't just an acoustic guitar right mm -hmm. it was because john mayer can play with an acoustic guitar ed sheeran can play with acoustic guitar they don't make country music right okay right you know what i was <laughs> right well i'm just saying it felt like old western spit in a spittoon kind of country it was like uh it felt very like archetypal in a way mm. Definitely, but, very archetypal. Definitely, that's the word I was going for. Yeah. Uh, any highlights to the album? Highlights? Yeah, um, I, I would say... Had, I actually had like three or four. Really? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I can't shit on formation, but I don't want to put it up there, really. So I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'll say hold up. Um. Yeah, hold up. Sorry... Actually, Pray You Catch Me is good, and yeah, yeah, St. Yeah. Castles. No, see, I had Pray You Catch Me hold open all night. Those were my top three. Then Formation came in after the second listen. I was like, I'll put Formation on here. It's, you know, it's it's there. Uh, there's a reason it was a radio hit. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked Pray You Catch Me. It was a... Uh, was not was that the first song? Yeah. Yeah, see... Literally the intro. Exactly. I was I, My hype was through the roof. I was like, holy shit, she pops off on this thing. Exactly. And it's then, a, it's yeah. weird that, you know, my favorite... is Probably my favorite song. Uh, whatever. One of the top three is the first song on the album. And obviously that's good and all. You know, I'd rather it be great than it be terrible. <laughs> but that just does a disservice to the rest of the album when it's not as good as your first song. It's, Naturally. you know, a TV show with a, too good of a pilot. It's always a bad thing, you know, because the rest of it just can't keep up. I mean, do you want to put a 
score on it? Do you have anything more to I can, say? I can, I can happily put a score. I think this is solid 7-5 territory for yes. me. Yes. It is clearly above, just barely passing, but it has some serious faults that prevent it from like hitting any kind of like, oh, it's a good album. This is like, this is a fine album. Yeah, I am kind of confused as to how or why this was so groundbreaking at the time. Because I remember the hype for this album was legitimate. I mean... I think I think this... Maybe I'm crazy. Hold on. Let me say... Let me do some math before I say that. Yeah, I, I cannot say for everybody's experience, but when this album came out, I heard about it a lot. I saw things, you know, just pictures of Beyonce and that uh, all the different outfits for all the, I guess for all the different videos, I didn't realize it was a visual thing or a visual album, but for the different videos, I think that's really when I started, you know, the term beehive. I didn't know that was even a thing, I don't think, until uh, this album came out. Uh, okay, yeah, so I did the math, I'm pretty sure. So she had, like, music come out between then and now, but, like, her last real album was 2011 before that so this was like five years in the making for like a real project and again i mean it was 2016 so like media is driving everything and like the infidelity thing really played a role into the hype of this project and it's like you know it's beyonce and she's literally like the biggest artist period but also She's a black female at a time when Trump has just been either maybe he wasn't just elected president, but he's like literally clearly in the lead. And there's like a lot of racial tensions and shit like so, you know, she's gonna be talking about race. Like there was a lot of pivotal to 2016 moments that like made this huge. And I think out of that context, it is not as good. And I can see why people who listened to it back then when it was not only contemporary, but like made sense and was like part of the zeitgeist of the time but i don't know having not listened to it then and only hearing the singles on the radio play i'm like i don't i don't get it but i can understand where you're coming from you know and again it's fine but it wasn't great and it had some like those features man fuck me man like jack white huge artist good artist clearly talented shit on this album I, not maybe he wasn't shit he didn't have a purpose on this album. Nothing, yes. Kendrick Lamar, literally like the goat of rap, like hands down, just king of the rap industry, at least currently, if not of all time. Maybe a classic LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan conversation here. But like, wh- why is he on this, and what purpose is he serving, and why is the feature so garbage? Like, it's not even really. A rap feature it's like i don't even know what it is uh and then yeah yeah, and then you've got the james blake one and there's one more too right it's not just those three Uh, oh the weekend the weekend's on six inch the heels song we forgot that there was a and also i I meant to talk about that song title what about i don't think it's a slight what's the song but it's just six inch and the song's about her heels but knowing oh, that this is going to be a Jay Z diss album, I was like, is six inch small? <laughs> I was like, is that saying he's got a small dick? Listen, <laughs> I think Beyonce can get more than six inches, is what she's right, saying. Right, of course, of course. And that's how I took it, because I'm like, you know, you could literally say anything 
that even sounds negative out of Beyonce's mouth could be negative. You know, you just go, you accept it because it's Beyonce. So I'm like, but again, I just saw the song title before I saw the song, obviously, or listened to the song. And I was like, is this going to be about this man's cock? Is she putting him on blast that hard? Is that why this is so crazy? <laughs> that would have been really good. Um, but I, yeah, I wonder, I didn't really listen enough intently and I didn't like pull up lyrics or anything to like, see if there were any innuendos, but it's a song about her heels for sure. That much I could gather whether there was some double entendre, some allusions to some phallic objects, uh, some, I think the important lesson here is that they're still together (laughs) and they're like better for it, dude. Like this is a, this is a prime example of, uh, cheating's good. (laughs) Cheating strengthens a marriage. One of our hottest takes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it worked out great for my parents. So, you know. Worked out great for Jay Z, is what you meant to yeah. say. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, seven five sounds good to me. Uh, I, I think maybe if I was a more of a Beyonce fan, I think this actually would have been lower. But I have no way to base that thought process. So, <laughs> yeah. So seven five sounds good to me. Um, move on to the favorite. Yep. Uh, so we got again favorite uh um, fucking you know, director's name yep. the most yep uh 2018 based off jane austen's movie or book rather of the same name she made a movie uh book of the same name i believe uh so Is adapted really? screenplay yeah pretty sure oh. not crazy i think you might be but i'm not sure you could be right um do you want to okay well i'll start i'll look it up yeah, I don't mind. You, you do that i'll start um I really love how Lanthimos, 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 uh, I really love how he's able to just get his style right off the bat. Huh. No, that's I, funny. You know what I'm confusing it with? What? Because this is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Satirical and like that Jane Austen yeah. again. What, what, t- what time period is this? What's this called? It's like mm. colonial England, but I don't know what to Victorian, say exactly. Maybe? They've got rifles, but I don't know. Victorian-ish? It's not Elizabeth. Yeah, maybe Victoria. I don't know. Ish? I don't remember. It's I all based like... on the queens, and who knows what the queens' names are. Uh, but Emma was the one I was thinking. That's the one that's the Jane Austen book. That Same thing. Emma? It's just Emma? It's called Emma. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so Emma Stone being in the favorite in a Jane Austen sort of movie. Thank got it. See. There you go. Yep. I got it. But yeah, not based on a book. It's the original screenplay. Uh, my B. Okay, now I'm glad we could clear that up. Uh, yeah, I like how Lanthimos is able to just convey his style right off the bat. Whether you like his work or not, uh, you can tell it's one of his movies. Literally within the first few minutes. Um, it was really interesting to see his use of fish islands in this movie because I'm pretty sure most every shot was on a fish islands. At least it was, uh, conveyed as such, but I, I really liked just his color palette, the, uh, costume design, all the set pieces, everything really came together except for the plot for me. Um, really? Yeah. I, I had problems with the plot. But it did come together. I just, I was underwhelmed by some of the resolutions that they took and some of the, like, there was a lot of cool buildup yes. in a lot of the threads. And then the way that he chose to terminate them felt either lackluster or, like, basically unresolved. Yes, um, the, the payoff I, was, yeah. not, was not present. I 
<laughs> there was no sense of payoff for me, which is sad because I was prepared to really, really like this movie. Uh, and then the you know the closer the climax got, you know the closer till the end of the two hour mark got, it had me just worried. I was kind of dreading because I was like, oh, this is just gonna end. This is just gonna yeah. be like, all right, snip it off, let's go, call it a day, we're done. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. There's there was so many cool things, uh, whether it be the characters' journeys. I guess would be mm-hmm. uh, their all their journeys, all three of the main characters' journeys. Riches, riches to rags to riches. You got yeah. Actually, really, you really have that times too, right? Yeah, you kind of have that in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether it be their journeys or even just the sheer, I don't know what the word, uh, sheer authenticity in the script. The script was, or the writing and all the dialogue was. Almost mind blowing how acting's fantastic. Yeah, how in world it all felt. You know, yep. none of this felt fake in a weird way. None of this. Felt I-, I was like super it was surprised. I've known Emma Stone to be a great actress. You know, I-, I don't think there's a single thing she's been in that I haven't been at the very least okay with her being in, if not like super amazed by her performance. Again, La La Land is probably like one of my favorite movies of all time, and she kills it. Um, but I noticed. She does, obviously, a pretty good British accent. I didn't have any problems with a break in her voice or anything. She doesn't have her weird little speech impediment when she speaks with a British accent. Have you noticed that? No. Yeah, she's got, like, a weird little lisp thing that she does sometimes. She didn't do that at all this movie. I just kind of assumed it was happening. I didn't really even pay attention. (laughs) You just assumed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Exactly. I just thought it was—I just thought it was interesting phenomenon. I mean, hey, but, if you want—if you want to go to the acting, uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, she's she's fantastic, dude. She's fantastic. insane. Yeah, insane. I she's literally plays a queen in The Crown, right? She plays mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth, and yet it's somehow a different character. Like, right. she can Completely. play two queens, and it's you know night and day how these characters are dissimilar. Which only, I think, only goes to show how well Olivia Coleman can portray whatever she's given. Um, I don't know, man. She blends into character so well to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, Olivia Coleman got it. Uh, yeah. You kinda... and, well, and, she, and she won Best Actress, I think, for it, too. So. Oh, okay. Well deserved. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, good, good. Because <laughs> she was phenomenal in this. She, she, she put on uh, – I, I, I was watching it on um, my phone for a bit of it uh, – and sorry, <laughs> I was watching on my phone for a little bit. And uh, what's it called? Amazon, like when you move and click like your. Oh, uh, Amazon X-Ray trademark. Right yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And they've got like little factoids and stuff. Apparently you put on like 40 pounds for the role, which. I'm going to ask why. I think the queen's supposed to be kind of like a fat bitch, right? Like that's, it's kind that, of her that, stick. That's totally fine. But I don't think, uh, I don't think weight gain or whatever had anything to do with her character i mean you know i'm glad she commits to the role i'm glad the director or whatever whoever took part in that decision i'm glad they committed to this movie but i don't think a weight gain had anything to do with this character i'm just one of those people whatever whatever i think it was i think it was transformative i feel like she didn't look like olivia coleman and i think that aids into my ability to think she's acting well sure i just didn't even notice i Honestly, I mean, she's wearing big old, big, huge corsets and gowns and stuff that 
and she's in bedridden half the movie that I just kind of enjoyed the score. I mean, everything about this movie is pretty damn good. Um, I gotta say, yeah, I don't think everything about this movie. I I had really? my my flaws weren't even with the plot. Like there were some plot things I want to get to in a second, but I had flaws, like big red flags. Like why the fuck is this idiot doing that? And I don't know if it's you know Lobster Boy's fault or if it was like his DP's fault, but someone in charge of cinematography or making some editorial decisions decided that for the first 15 minutes we were going to do these montages with lap dissolves how did that not bother you it was literally like fading into each other for 15 minutes because they got because they they quit doing it i think like i I think it had it was aggravating it was aggravating (laughs) and i I know that you're someone who dislikes that more than me so i was confused how you didn't hate it i dislike dissolves when they're overused and there's just no point to it but like but i didn't see any dissolves post that is my thing after the first intro well you're right he didn't do a lot more dissolves after the intro but he did do the superimposed thing which i also don't particularly like like there's image like it's like you know emma stone's face one direction, oh, yeah. Olivia Coleman's another direction, and then like the rabbits in the back. I think actually it even ends like that, right? Yeah, well, that's literally the ending. I, so, I know. well, but they do it a couple times. Like that's not the f- beginning and end aren't the only times that that happens. Those are just the two most egregious examples. I promise you, it's not. I I'll literally watched it today. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, then my other big problem. So besides the editing, which is fine, and it's not the horrible thing. I really hate when they do the first-person perspective panoramic cam. Oh, and they move, and they're moving with everything? I don't care that it moves. I hate 180-degree FOV because it distorts the camera. Like, you know when you take a painter in a photo and it makes it bent? Yeah, well, I think that's the fisheye lens. I think they used that the whole movie. It's terrible. It's terrible. Well, I yeah. <laughs> if you he used like it regularly, it, but it's awful. Yeah, the fisheye lens was literally. I I don't know if there's a camera without that or a shot without the fisheye lens because. I oh mean, yeah, there are. Them, I mean, I think that's a lot of the close-ups you couldn't tell. No, no, like, I think there's a clear demarcation. It's every time something is from a person's point of view. Like there's the scene. Um, it's after you know the girls are fighting for the attention. So you know maybe thirty, forty-five minutes in when they're no longer kissing each other's asses and figuring each other out. They're, like, now full-blown combat. Uh, where the queen likes Emma Stone more. It's getting her mud bath drawn. I'm not sure if you said full-bone combat. Full-blown. Okay. Uh, full-bone also really, works really in this clever. movie. Yeah, really cool. Uh, so, yeah, she's drawing her little mud bath thing, you know, to get rid of the toxins or whatever the fuck. She, Emma Stone's sitting in her chair, and you watch Olivia Coleman enter. And the camera moves from an over-the-shoulder shot of Emma Stone to a "You are Emma Stone sitting in that chair" wide panoramic fisheye lens, and the shot is literally a "Here is a stationary cam fixed at a position" to a "Here's what is perceived to be a human eyeball," and I hated it. It was awful. And then it switches back back to over-the-shoulder, and I'm like, I can feel what the character's feeling without you having to fucking distort my screen display to take me out of the movie like it felt like oh we gotta switch to camera two like crazy dude see i enjoy just the fact that he uh i don't know that the character movements are at least i enjoy that he was trying to convey things with the camera like i i I like when directors 
aren't just... it so often with the normal cameras. Well, I, I, it's it's better than just like still full shots for the whole movie. Uh, like I disagree. Uh... I disagree. <laughs> this is this is this is the problem with overproducing albums for me. Okay. A lot of the wow. time, it's because you've added instruments that bring nothing, and you just said, "I just wanted a fucking xylophone in here because xylophones are cool." But like, it's the same melody that you're already doing on the piano, and the sound is now just like you've taken me out of the rhythm and the beat that I actually liked, and that the rapper already sounded good over, and now you've just distorted it to change it up for no purpose. And now I've taken out, and now I'm thinking about the thing as opposed to enjoying the thing. The same thing happens in movies all the time where the director or maybe the DP or the fucking dude on camera too is like, hey man, put me in for a moment. I've been filming this whole time. And he's like, fuck it. We'll, we'll let Eddie have his little feature in here. We'll put him in for 15 seconds and he'll get a nice little bonus out of it. That's my nephew, so we gotta let him get his work in when he can. And I'm like, like why'd those, you do I, that? I really just that that never it never stood out to me as being anything bad or like I, I do cool tracking away. shots. When when Emma Stone is like hiding in the bookcase, accidentally like catching them have sex for the first time, Coleman and uh Wise. Yeah. There's a really cool tracking shot where like you watch the camera watch Emma Stone and then fade out to get the panoramic shot of like how she has to leave and walk down the thing. And it's all from the perspective of, like, you're, I guess, like, behind them on the bed, like, at the foot of the bed, I guess. Right. Um, but you're still seeing, you know, the posts and everything. And that whole thing is done from one camera, but it shows a really interesting perspective of the characters that you might not otherwise get. But it is not from any one particular person's perspective, and it's not an over-the-shoulder. So I'm like, they could do interesting camera work that developed the plot in a unique way using a camera. That wasn't just a writing thing, you know, like it was clearly an artistic choice and creative decision that required some ingenuity and thought. And then these motherfuckers just switched the camera to a different angle and it was shit. And I'm like, I just don't, it just felt lazy. It felt really lazy. I mean, hey, I'll take your word for it. Uh, You know, opinions are things. Uh, No, no, it's a fact. I just was not (laughs) bothered by any of the camera work at all. I thought, I thought, you know, it it was... um, <clears throat> it didn't really, you know, put the movie over to a new level, but uh, I I liked his camera work other than you know over than a lot of movies we've reviewed or that I've just watched recently or all yet. Um, yeah, sure. Is there is there any other negatives you want to talk about? Well, uh, we we were going to talk about the plot a little bit, right? Like some of the characters' threads that we felt like were unresolved, like uh, the, ending, thought, the ending. I thought ending. Blackluster. Yeah, yeah mine's like just the ending. Like. I'm cool with Emma Stone because it was it was subtle and I think it was intentional. But initially, she's portrayed as you know a solemn. I'm just trying to better myself protagonist in a way. Yeah. And in reality, there's there's like no true protagonist. There's really only one person consistently getting fucked, and I mean that in all the possible ways, which is the queen. And then there's two people basically selfish for different reasons uh vying for the queen's attention and that's the whole premise of the movie and the way that they flip uh emma stone's character from being portrayed as a potential protagonist to really the same kind of cut from the same cloth cutthroat bitch that rachel uh wise's character was that the ending like it felt out of place because it didn't feel like 
the motivations were logical for every decision she made all the way up until like why is she abusing the rabbit yeah like yeah i didn't get it i didn't like i'm that was on the list of possibilities clearly they chose to do that one but like for someone who at least was manipulative enough and understanding enough to like use the knowledge that like losing her children and getting the rabbits was like an emotional thing for her and using that to an advantage you're now torturing it which could only possibly be like a metaphor for how you're torturing the queen basically by just abusing your relationship with her but that metaphor was already there you didn't have to literally put it into action yes and that's where it it felt just unnecessary. Near the yeah, the ending. I think the whole like last ten or fifteen minutes or so is just. I, I I think unnecessary is a probably a better way to talk about that because it was almost like a shoehorning the actual endings of things. You know, the yep. actual endings to all the there's even though there was a lot of in between or a lot of um, not filler. But a lot of scenes that developed characters with just purely script and, you know, just small actions. Even though there was a lot of that, it didn't feel like any of that was really building towards the ending that we got. Um, it, 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 once that time jump happened, that felt yeah. so abrupt. That it, it so, really, that was probably my biggest problem with the movie. And that happens about, like, what would you say, like three quarters of the way through? Yeah, that's literally last last yeah. bit. So the same time that the time jump happens, they start to sequence things weird. And I'm almost feeling like it was less intentional and more of like a product of what was going on behind the scenes, like in the editing booth. You know what I mean? Like they got in their own heads about something, the way something lined up or they needed to hit a certain time mark. Like maybe their limit was 120 minutes. So they're like, how do we get it down? How do we get it down? Right. Because something that they didn't do before was if they were going to tell multiple stories at the same time or worse, give you something that happened in the past, they would typically just show it chronologically, right? They would just go like thing A happened. And now we know that person X new thing A happened. So now thing B happens. And instead like the final court scene that you see when she's married, um, when Emma Stone is married and she's playing, you know, the hand to the queen essentially, uh, that final court scene when the Tory party, the previously empowered parliament leader, interspliced with prior meetings with Rachel Weiss's character, it was like chronologically they weren't consistent. It didn't go from point A to point B to point C. They were showing point A and B simultaneously for no purpose because I can understand that she's like the dude is speaking basically for her, just repeating whatever words he prepped her for. And all you'd have to do is just show me the prep work scene and then show me him doing it or just show me him doing it. And then afterwards have him talk to the bitch and be like, yeah, I did everything you said. Like it just felt weird. And they did that a couple of times, like right after the three quarters mark. And I'm like, something's happening with this movie. And it just really tapered off stylistically. Like a lot of choices just changed up randomly for no purpose. And even, even to the very last second, I thought that it was kind of unnecessarily open-ended. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird how the story's not very open ended. There's not no. there's not a ton you can um, analyze under the layers. There's not. I don't think there's a ton of that. Yet the ending would have you believe that's exactly what happened. Almost almost a psychedelic ending, if you will. Um, right. 
and you're left wondering if you miss something, but you're pretty sure you're not. Like it's it's not oh I'm fascinated by the fact that I might have missed something. You just don't really care enough because I don't know the, the last twenty or twenty minutes or so is very anticlimactic. Um, I wasn't expecting some big climax. I mean, that's not how these movies go. But I was expecting some sort of, I don't know, closure to things other than the Rachel Weiss character. I felt like that was the only time or the only thing that got closure at all was just I agree. seeing that happen. The how how all I honestly that I thought she was just gonna die. I when she fell off the horse and was being dragged, I was like, okay, yeah, that's a way to do it. I also, um, yeah, I think that yeah. I think that might have even been a better route, so they could spend more time right. on the other two finishing whatever the fuck that ending was. Yeah, because yeah. it's man, it, it really wasn't a good last few seconds. I was fully prepared to like love this movie until the Dang. ending kind of just puttered about, or you know, just didn't and really. This is actually hilariously opposite of what usually happens, where there was like a really interesting plot. Like, this plot is not particularly... If I were no. to tell you this in a vacuum, I would probably be like, I'm not watching this yep. garbage. Yep. But it was uh, advertised well enough that I was like, ooh, like this has a bunch of good actresses in it, and it seems pretty, like, intriguing at the very least, and it was worth my time to give it attention to. And then they did a bunch of stuff early on, and I was like, holy fuck, like, this movie's gonna be crazy. And then it kind of pittered out. I'm like, I don't know if it's the writer's fault but it's certainly not the actress's fault and so if you want to watch a movie that has great acting it's totally worth to watch if you want to watch a movie that um, again meddles around you know it has a very lackluster from start to end lackluster feel mm-hmm. you know you'll you'll come away with what you want i guess <laughs> like it it is a really good movie that showcases these abilities these actresses ability to act but other than that had some pretty good flaws what would you say the uh what would you rate it uh i you know i'm still gonna give it an eight i still yeah, enjoyed i think enough, it deserves an eight yeah i still I enjoyed enough of the movie that it didn't it didn't sink down to like oh, okay this is an okay movie yada yada i think this is still a good movie um if just just by purely definition the def, you know define good movie this would fit under that but it's just nothing special, which his other two movies think what you want, but there's something special about those other two. They, they've got a very unique quality. That's hard to describe. Uh, whereas this movie, I don't know. You could sum it up with, Oh, this is some great dialogue. Like it it feels very authentic. This movie feels very of the times, very period piece. And Uh, this is, this is the same year that, like, like, this is a very good movie even for the year it came out. Like, Hereditary came out that year. Uh, a Quiet Place came out. And, like, of the other movies, I, like, really don't remember many other ones that came out 2018. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd have to have a list. Like, like, Green Book came out, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, it's on my list, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm usually a big Viggo Mortensen guy, but I was like, this just doesn't seem like a movie I would care about. We'll get um, that Mid-90s came out, which was trash searching came out which was interesting that john chu one. Oh yeah where he's yeah. like that looking was, for his yeah, daughter that was, that was Facebook. Actually pretty good that was better than yeah, it, it was, it was been. surprisingly good it did not deserve to be that good mm-hmm. for sure um yeah like 
tag also did not deserve to be as good as it was, but was actually pretty oh, good. Tag was, oh, wait, wait, wait. We're thinking of a different thing. I'm thinking of Game Night. Game Night, same thing, but yeah, yeah I thought Tag was better than what it deserved to be. But so, Game Night was good. Tag was not good. Tag was good for what it was supposed to be. Right. Game Night was good. Confirmed. <laughs> Difference. Uh, yeah, like, there just wasn't a bunch of good movies. So, point being, maybe Game Night even came out in 2018. I can't confirm I that, but either way. This is a good movie that has some flaws. Just yes. like Lemonade is a good album that has some flaws. But the problem with Lemonade is that it had more flaws than it had good. Exactly. However, the good was really good. So you got to give credit where credit's due is fucking Beyonce. Like, she's going to put out something that is worthwhile to listen to. But this I honestly would not have cared about at all had I not, like, known that these actresses were these actresses. You know what I mean? Like, if these were any other people, I probably just wouldn't have given it attention, even if they acted equally as well. Because it just doesn't, it's not a very captivating plot. And unfortunately, the movie delivers the same kind of lackluster feel that you might expect, but it really builds some hype early on that makes you think otherwise. And yeah. then it. Uh, uh, last piece of thing I want to talk about in the movie it's insane how similar this movie is to a Korean movie that came out in like 2017, 2016 yep. called The Handmaiden. Yep, yep, yep. That's I wanted to make the, the connection, but I and I was like, eh. It's crazy that like they're at all it's similar. So sexual. It's so sexual, and that movie was very sexual. But I mean, there's distinct differences, right? Like, yeah. Oh, we, oh, okay, I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying it's weird that there are even any similarities. I would argue, but there just there there's some things that I was like, have I seen this before? You know? Yep. And I was just thinking of The Handmaiden. But uh, yeah, uh, eight out of ten. Final. Not score. a movie I would recommend watching with your dad. The Handmaiden. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you could have a weird dad. <laughs> All right. Uh, eight out of ten. And the picks. Transition. For... Yes. The picks for this week are. Okay. The movie is going to be Adaptation, and the album is going to be Bismillah, Bismillah by Peter Cat Recording Company. Uh, this has been. Wait. Oh. Wait. With a potential super secret special guest, period. Yeah, right. Uh, Attention. <laughs> Attention. Yeah, right. This has been episode 31 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And you can catch us on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. <laughs>